0: Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said no pressure about the message. Whoa, happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. That is a better way to think about it. You know, that comment, no pressure about the message, it reminds me. Some of you may have heard this before, but this is a pretty good glimpse into my mind right now. There were uh, two fellas that died and they went to heaven. Maybe you've heard this. (laughs) But again, this is a glimpse in my mind right now. One was a taxi driver the other was a preacher. Ah. St. Peter meets him at the gate and he said, I've been waiting for you, fellas. Let me show you where we are going to live. It's so nice to have you here. And he walks a taxi driver to his, first house, to, the, to his house and it's this beautiful mansion, a beautiful mansion. It's large with rooms and swimming pools and hot tubs and spacious lawn and a golf course in the back. It's an amazing mansion. And, and then Peter says, hey, and preacher, if you look next door, you, you see a little house that's yours. And it's a little, itty-bitty house. It's just kind of a lean-to, really. And the, and the preacher says, what's the problem? I thought he did a good job. You know what? I don't understand. Taxi guy gets this guy, this house. I get a lean-to. And Peter said, well, yeah, but when you preach, people slept. When the taxi driver, taxi driver drove, people prayed. <laughs> So please build me a good house today. Man, <clears throat> this is a good day. Some of you, I think a number of you who have grown up in homes with, who, who honored the resurrection and who thought of the resurrection, I suspect you also have your own traditions you could share of when you were little, when maybe you have them today with your children, or maybe your children are out of the house, and you still have some, some traditions of your own even now. I asked Pastor Mike to go on a covert mission for me and just try to find out some Easter traditions. So some of these may be yours, and there are just a few that I've, I'm going to share here. And we'll see if you identify with any of these. For as long as I can remember, my dad would get both my mom and me orchid corsages to wear on our Easter dresses. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I didn't love my kids that much. <laughs> Uh, what about this? As a tradition, my entire, my entire family gets together at my parents' house and we color eggs and do an egg hunt after lunch. That's nice. How many of you did that? How, okay, how many of you did the Easter corsages for your family? Whew. <laughs> new dress and new shoes. When we were younger, it included a new hat and gloves. Bought my shoes today. That's pretty good. So, my niece, she's sporting a new hat. New clothes and new uh, shoes as kids and an Easter basket. My grandmother always baked a red velvet cake in the shape of a cross. Big dinner after church Sunday afternoon. Ham, fried chicken, some sort of seafood, potato salad, macaroni and cheese, several salads, pecan pie, lemon meringue pie, watermelon. You need lunch to get through that list. (laughs) My grandfather always made a homemade ice cream in the old time crank bucket maker. It was a big to-do, lots of family. You remember those? You know? How many of you have have never seen those old-time ice cream makers? Yeah, there's some hands in here. You've never seen them? Look at the person directly in front of you and say, buy me one. (laughs) You'll use it once. (laughs) You got to work for that ice cream. There was an obligatory dress like your sister, day. Wear patent leather shoes, (laughs) straw hat with a ribbon down the back. The purpose of said ribbon was to make you believe the boy sitting behind you in church would yank on it every time you sat back in the pew. As a boy in the church, they probably would have yanked on it. Then there was a mad dash to find your Easter basket behind the couch. (laughs) Afterwards, you were brought to uh, Nana's to pose for awkward pictures, eat cold ham and potato salad, and repeatedly repeatedly told to stop touching that. That's good. This is my favorite one. I love to bite the heads off all my sisters and brothers' marshmallow chicks and put it back in their Easter basket. That does, there's a family tradition for you. This is a good day. If there's ever a celebration day as a believer, it's today. I can think of no better celebration than today. Can you? By the way, I would just want to share what this picture is. Uh, this is in Jerusalem. It's a place called the Garden Tomb. If you would imagine, if you're looking toward that doorway, that is a tomb doorway. If you imagine looking just to your right by maybe a few hundred feet, there's a hill and it's got a skull that you can see on this hill. And some people call it the hill, Golgotha, because, you know, we know in the scripture. There's a place that's got a place of the skull. And it's this is one of the two places they people believe that Jesus would have been buried and then rose from it. Now, do we know for sure? No, but it is thought-provoking. And I think of looking at this, and it's very difficult to see. There's a kind of a step there, if you can see that. Under that step, there's actually a, a bit of a trench. It's probably about this wide, and it's where a big rock would have been in to roll in that trench. It's a rolling trench. So it's, a, it's just a, it's a great visual. Uh, if this was the tomb, the, the brick that you see there uh, just to the side of the door wouldn 't have been there it would have been solid, but it 's been replaced over the years there 's another area- another tomb that they think he may have been uh, may have risen from, and that 's in the inside of a church so they actually carved it away from the hill and moved it and built a church around it uh it 's called church tomb of the holy sepulchre i don 't have a picture of that it 's um dark it 's uh yeah, if you've seen it, you know what I mean, and I, I'm not picking on the church, inside of it it's just a, it's a very dismal, it's a very gray and sad atmosphere. So when I think of the resurrection, I think he left some a happy place, you know, outside access and sunlight, so I thought, ah, I'm not going to put the picture the other place, I'm going to picture this place, it seems happier to me. Do you notice, there's nobody inside of there. Yeah. You notice that, Right. C.S. Lewis has a great statement, and I'm going to read it. I want to make sure I quote him right here. Rather than hearing new ideas, sometimes we need to get reminded of old truths. Today is an old truth day. Today we stop and we think of what happened those years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, and if there's ever an old truth that needs to anchor us, it's today. You with me? I think it's amazing You know, there are people in the world, and maybe, maybe you're sitting in the chairs here. I don't know. There are people in the world who don't, they just, they don't believe the resurrection happened. For us as believers, it's a most critical foundational faith. I do believe the resurrection happened, and I don't believe it just because of a bunch of stories that I've read. I believe there's lots of evidence of the resurrection and I'm just going to share just a, a few of these. I've shared some of them before. If you're a Grace site or a regular here at Grace, you've heard me say some of these before. But some of this evidence includes the empty tomb. Now, this sounds kind of, there's, there was nobody in the tomb that day. And he was in the tomb that all the locals around in Jerusalem knew that he was in. And it was empty. And there's no denying it. Historians all across the land said, yes, in fact, it was an empty tomb. Where did he go? And I, I'm making this very light. We could spend really hours on the idea of the empty tomb and what that meant in the region. Uh, another, another piece of evidence. The tomb was discovered by women. I've shared this. I think it's a wonderful thing. And it's, it's uh, compelling at the same time. Back then, women were not seen as credible witnesses in court. Isn't that tough? Amen? That's a tough thing. So if there was a conspiracy to steal his body, you wouldn't have the the, wit- the witnesses, the first witnesses, be women. They're, they weren't seen as credible. Now we know that's ridiculous, but you wouldn't have set it up that way. You would have arranged it so you have credible men, and you understand I'm saying this somewhat facetiously here, you would arrange it so people who were credible would have found the tomb. You would never have used women. Boy, haven't we come a long way since then? On the gender piece, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. But you understand my point. We wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had women discover it. Another piece: the generally held belief that the earliest account of the resurrection was less than eight years after the resurrection. So historians look at this and they say, well, the first account of the resurrection was less than eight years. It was six to six to eight years, is somewhere in that window after the resurrection. It wasn't a myth. It was considered current news. So if we write about something that happened in America 200 years ago, we're basing it on what we heard before. But if we're writing that something happened in America just a few years ago, we may have seen it. You with me? So historians look at this and they go, boy, the first account was right at that time. And there were eyewitnesses who wrote this as the first account. They're writing as current news. Guess what happened? This is a big thing. Sometimes people today look back and they say the myth of the resurrection. They're looking back with 2,000 years of perspective. But the people at the time writing, they weren't saying, look back at what happened. They are saying, guess what happened now? And that perspective is very significant to historians. Um, Another one, many appearances of Jesus after the resurrection. This is a big deal. He shows up all over the place. He shows up to one person, two people, three people. He shows up to hundreds of people. For 40 days, he's showing up all over the place. All over the place. Not just in one, not in one home, one time, or not to one person here and one person there. But there are, are multiple people that see him in the same place at the same time. And then he's far away in another place. And other people are seeing him there. And then another place. So all of these eyewitness accounts, again, hundreds of them. Another, another sign of evidence. The growth explosion. So, this is a fascinating thing, and this is another one of these things we could spend hours just speaking on. There was a faith growth explosion after the resurrection. If he would have stayed dead, do you think people at that time would have started to believe in him? They would have thought he's the guy who just died. It would have happened later, building off mythology, but not at that time. At that time, there was a faith explosion all over the the region. It went country after country after country after country because the eyewitnesses started traveling. They traveled faster than the writing. There was no writing then. They didn't have the print that we did. So when somebody wrote, it was a sedentary thing. They would write, and and, and maybe they would send a copy somewhere, but it was slow traveling, slow printing. You with me? So the eyewitnesses were sharing, I saw him, I saw him, I saw him, and people were so convinced, and, and, and the news spread so much. That they even went through torture and death at that time. We know the first, the real first real tortures that were noted, that were mentioned historically were somewhere around 60 A.D. First-hand witnesses were tortured and put to death. They would not have done that if they wouldn't have seen him rise. Are you with me? Now I've never seen Jesus face to face. I haven't been walking other, at least not knowingly. But I'm convinced from all of this evidence, there's truth to him rising. He rose. It's an empty tomb. It's not a myth. It's not something that just happened. I think it's the most amazing of all the holidays. And Pastor Mike alluded to this earlier as his favorite. I think it's my favorite. You know, years ago, I used to play football with friends on Sunday afternoons. And I did this for years, actually. I was trying to think about how many years I did this. I think I did this for five years. And every Sunday we would play different groups of friends, and sometimes we had great big turnouts, and we would look for other groups to play against. And it was always tackle football. And I remember we had a saying that we would, we would make to other people if, they, if we didn't know them. Now, if we knew them, it was, it was no fun. But, for example, my group of friends, we might take on another group of friends from another area and play football. And if somebody came in and smacked me as hard as they could and really tried to, really tried to cream me, I would get up as fast as I could, and I'd look at him, and I would say, is that all you got, little man? (laughs) Yeah, Judy in the front says, sounds like a (laughs) sussler. And I think resurrection is the day where Jesus gets up and he says, is that all you got? Death, is that the best you got? I beat it. I would like to ask him that someday in heaven. Jesus, did you feel like that? Is that all you got? Did you just want to say, little man, devil? You're a little man. By the way, if you say that to people, get ready, because they're going to come back twice as hard next time. (laughs) The devil can't do it. He's got nothing. This is Easter. This is a good day. You with me? You know, some people, I've, I've heard people, when they talk about the resurrection, they speak softly about it. Well, it could be that he rose, you know. We just remember that he rose. What do you mean could be? There's evidence. Of course he got up. This is a day, it's an in-your-face day. This is an in-your-face day. He rose. Now, there's three lessons in this, and I want to pull out three. Last week, we looked at three lessons, or we looked at several lessons in the Exodus and what the Lord did. And today, I want to look at three lessons Lessons in the resurrection. This will not be a long message. Please remember, don't build a lean-to for me. <laughs> Someday I don't want to have to have words with Peter. Peter, don't make me smack you. Three lessons. Now the first one, we're going to go searching in the scripture and I, I think it's kind of fun to find this. Go ahead, Maddie. We're going to dive in here. Now let me tell you what's happened to kind of set the stage here. Jesus has been crucified. He is dead. Okay, this is where we jump into the story. The next day on the Sabbath, the leading priests and Pharisees went to see Pilate, the governor in the area. They told him, Sir, we remember what the deceiver once said. And they're calling Jesus the deceiver here. (laughs) They didn't even know what was going to come. Anyway, we remember what the deceiver once said while he was still alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone he was raised from the dead. If, if that happens, we'll be worse off than we were at first. So they knew, they, they, they remembered, you get this? They, re, they remembered what Jesus said. Pilate replied, take guards and secure it the best that you can. So they sealed the tomb, they sealed the tomb. They didn't just close it, they sealed it. And there was a sealing process That's another message. Anyway, they sealed the tomb and posted guards to protect it. So they remembered. Now we read on. Go ahead, Maddie. But very early on Sunday, so now a little little after that conversation, a little after the sealing, very early on Sunday morning, the women, and we know there are several, Mary, and they went to the tomb, Taking the spices they had prepared, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes angels. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here, he has risen from the dead. And I like it, they're still talking. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again in the third day? Go ahead, Maddie. we're rolling now. Then they remembered. The bad guys remembered from the beginning. The good guys forgot until they were reminded. The first lesson is this. Jesus always does what he says he's going to do, whether we remember it or not. We don't have to understand what's going on. We just have to know he is of his word. And we remember that here today on the resurrection day. He is of his word. We don't have to understand. We don't have to remember. The the bad guys in life can remember. All we have to know is he's going to do it. We don't have to feel good. You know, they went to that tomb with those spices to take care of his body. I can't imagine if they're thinking they're going to go take care of a body that they're, that they're feeling all that good about it. Can you imagine that? Do you think, how many of you think they're actually feeling good they had to do that? But they just had to know that we serve a God who keeps his word. Right? So that's lesson number one. Lesson number two. The empty tomb is just one more amazing event event in the Bible that proves God. It's just one after another, after another, after another, after another. We looked at the Exodus last week. I would mentioned that. There are so many things in the Bible. Go ahead, Maddie. These verses just speak to the Messiah, speak to Jesus. Psalm 22, this is hundreds and hundreds of years in advance of the crucifixion. David is prophesying, King David, he prophesies. And he tells that he'd be surrounded by Jesus, be surrounded Messiah, would be surrounded by those who do evil, hands and feet pierced. It says in that passage, his hands and feet would be pierced that you can count his bones. And the key to this is when there was no crucifixion at this time when David prophesies this, but crucifying, you hang in the way that your bones kind of bulge uh, and they, that his, um, his clothes would be divided uh, kept by casting lots, so gambling, and we know as he's on the cross that they literally they have his clothes right in front of him they're gambling for his clothes right in front of him that was hundreds of years beforehand Zechariah 12 tells that he'd be pierced of course we know they put up they pierced him in his side Isaiah 53 is quite a comprehensive chapter it says many many things actually it tells us that he'd not be particularly attractive or charismatic. I like this. You know, when Jesus came, he didn't set it up so he would come as this man with animal magnetism. You know, he he wasn't followed because he was good looking. He was just a man. It tells us that he'd be despised and rejected, punished for our peace, led like a lamb to the slaughter and buried in a rich man's tomb. Didn't even, you know, he couldn't even afford his own, didn't even pay for his own grave. And that he'd be cut off from All from the land of the living and then his days would be prolonged. It's cut off from the land of the living and then his days would be prolonged. We look at the resurrection it's just one more sequence. Today is one more sequence in proving the Bible is right. There's one thing after another thing after another thing after another thing but the resurrection day just is one more thing. There's things that happen all the time around us that, the, that proves the Bible is right. What a, one happens in the news daily. You know, it's funny. I've, I've shared this with people over the years because it's a current event. It's happening under our nose. And I tell people it proves God's alive. And here's the response I get from most people. You ready? Uh. I'll tell you what it is. The reestablishment of the land of Israel. It's right under our nose. It's in the news all the time. It's a most amazing miracle. Who gets a country for nothing 2,000 years after it's ended? Can you think of any other country in history that that's that's happened with? Well, the Bible said it was going to happen. 2,000 years, I suspect there were a lot of people who wondered when. I wasn't alive in 1948, but if I was, I think I would have been one of those people. Gee, I wonder when it's going to happen. So in 1948... From nothing, from nothing, land appeared. Some people wanted to back out of the British, wanted to say, you know what, we don't want the land anymore. we got to do something to the land. The United Nations said, okay, here you go. That's amazing. It's a miracle today, but God said it was going to happen thousands of years ago. And when we look at the resurrection, it just shows a sequence of more things that God said were going to happen that did happen. They described the Messiah to a T. To a T. And people say, no, I don't know if there was a resurrection." Are you kidding me? <laughs> this day, we celebrate the resurrection. This day, we stand on a foundation knowing that our God is great. This is good news. Number three, the empty tomb validates the power of Jesus over death. It actually gets to that point, that Jesus has the power over death. Go ahead, Maddie. 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest. He is the first. Now, this is, this, I, I just want to stop here for a minute <laughs> There are of course we know this many religions in the world Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, many religions in the world. But the only one that has proven beating death is Jesus. Muhammad is buried. He says he's going to come back, but how do we know it? He hasn't done it yet. You know what I mean? If Jesus says he's coming back, yep, I believe you. You've already done it once. Really easy to believe him a second time, isn't it? Yeah. These people who believe in reincarnation, (laughs) I believe that there's life after death and I will come back maybe as a butterfly, maybe as a camel, maybe as a ladybug, as a kitten. Prove it. Prove in reincarnation, Prove it. Prove that somebody comes back as one of those things. Can they? No. I believe in life after death, and I can prove it. You see the difference? Jesus proves it. He gets up out of the grave. Nobody else can prove their faith. We can prove our faith. He got up. Still, good news. Amen. So I'll start, I'll, I just, I'll start this again here. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first, the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection, that was Adam, by the way. You know, thanks a lot for nothing, Adam. Now, <laughs> do you ever have somebody do something that just affects your life so much? You're like, doggone it. But he, Adam's just a man. People make mistakes. Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, through Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be... Everyone who belongs to who? Do you think everybody belongs to Christ? No. I don't think so. I think there's a lot of people who don't want to belong to Christ. You know, I've heard people say, you know, if you just believe... Uh, everybody in the world is God's children. And then they're all going to get into heaven because they're all God's children. What if, they want, what if they don't want to be God's children? You ever known anybody that doesn't believe there's a God? Why on earth? Can we just use common sense for a minute? If there's somebody that doesn't like you, do you want to invite them over to your house for the weekend? Do we think that God is that much of an idiot? I don't like God. I don't believe in God. Well, please come stay with me for eternity. <laughs> you with me? Yes, Yes. God loves everybody. I don't want to mess that up. He does love everybody. But not, it doesn't mean that everybody is going to go. We got to belong to Christ. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. You know what? I believe it because it worked for Jesus. You know, this is a tangent. Can I just share this? I got, a, I, got, I got a flyer in the mail from a congregation. I don't want to say which one. They were inviting me to commemorate the Lord's death on Friday. And I thought, is, is that the best you got, little man? <laughs> He's dead. But he got up. Guess what I want to commemorate? The resurrection. Anyway, I didn't go. <laughs> Uh, Christ was raised from the dead, uh, uh, but, in order to, <laughs> but there is an order to his resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. That's the order. He has to go first, and he did. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Ta-da! Because he did it, everyone who belongs to him can do it. That is spectacular. Now, the question is who belongs to him? Again, not everybody does. Some people don't want to. Some people don't even think there's a God. Some people think he's a really nice guy, but just a guy, which I think is fairly funny. A guy who can make himself rise from the dead to me is more than just a guy. The Bible makes it very clear to belong to him means we live for him. We say he's Lord and we make him Lord of our life and we engage with him. You know, it's very, I don't, I, it's, an, it's a funny thing to me when people say, yes, I believe in the resurrection, but I don't have time for God. How do you only take part of the story? You know, if I believe in the resurrection, I'm compelled to do what God wants me to do. Okay, God, you got my attention. I'm compelled to follow him. How can I, how can, how can anybody not be compelled to pay attention to a man that defeat, defied death? Anybody who gets themselves up out of a grave, I'm going to listen to. And on, on this day, on this resurrection day, I remember he got himself up out of a grave. So I'm going to spend my life paying attention to him. To belong to Christ is to follow Christ. Not just here and there, but say, God, okay, I'm in. I don't understand this stuff. I don't understand your promises. I don't understand everything in the Bible. But I know that your word is true. I know you follow through in things all the time. And I want to belong to you. Are you with me? Some of you in here, you may never have made that statement in your life. You may have never declared to follow God, and then you may not have followed God. And I want to give you the chance this morning to do that. I want to give you the chance to engage and to to establish the relationship with God, to make him your God. Now, I've done this before. Who, who, Who wants to join me? Oh, come on. I believe that somebody in here wants to join me. I really do. When service is done you got to take a step out in confidence and just walk up to me and say, yep, I, mean, I want to do it too. What do I do? I'll say, bring your checkbook. <laughs> don't bring your checkbook. It has nothing to do with that. And don't worry. You're not going to join some secret cult. It's just making a statement to follow God. And I just want to meet you. And I'd love to talk to you about it. I can think of no better day to declare to follow God than today. And if you've walked with God, but God and not a distant, you've gotten distant over time. I can think of no better day to reestablish than today. And just say, God, you know what? I've been distant. I remember your God. And I remember that you're my God. And I'm going to live like it. This is a wonderful day. How many of you are going to have some sort of brunch or family time or something like that today? Okay. If you're going to do it with your natural family, it's a good day to do it with your spiritual family too. And your spiritual father, the Lord. Right? Right? So if you would please stand up. And I'm just going to pray and we'll I'll tell you what's going on after that. Lord God, I do thank you so much for this day. We remember, Lord, we remember this is the day this is the day that you defied death. You're greater. There's nothing that can hold you down. You're a God of your word, you're a God of promise, you're a God of instruction, even when we don't understand and today you proved it. We thank you for that great miracle, Lord. We thank you for your desire to, to be in relationship with us, to die for us, to rise for us, Lord, to start off the harvest. I pray for blessings on everybody here as we look to you to understand more of you and more of what you would have for us. But we remember and we're blessed by you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, if you would like to know... I'd like to move forward with declaring for the Lord. If you believe, and you've never done it before, come find me. I'm going to wait here for a few minutes. Just come get me. No tricks, nothing. I just want to meet you. I want to shake your hand. And that'll be that. Thanks so much for coming today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And we have peace in all ways because of what happened when he rose. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times.